Expounded Universe, Season 11, Episode 4, Blob and Weave. The book, Jedi Search, by Kevin J. Anderson. The year, 1994. Chapters 9 through 11, with your hosts, John and Jeff. Let's go! Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel discussion podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, and I am joined, thankfully and as always, by your co-host, John. Hi, John. Hi. Co-host isn't a, a, a subpar thing. I, I hope you know that. It's It literally just means other host, but it's one word. I hope that's okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, I refer okay, to good. you as the co-host all the time. That's fair. That's good. I Yeah. And and I definitely also do refer to you as the sub host. I don't know if that's the same if you're doing the same thing. Oh yeah, I also I re- refer to you as the dom host, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that adds up perfectly. <laughs> and with me as always is my bratty bottom host. <laughs> Honestly, that would make for a pretty good show if we had a bratty bottom on the show. <laughs> bratty bottom send in your uh, your applications to be on Expanded Universe. None of them will be considered or accepted. <laughs> Ah, uh, excellent. Wonderful choices. It's got nothing to do with you. It's just that we don't need another person on the show. Yeah, it's hard enough already with the two of us. God, but could hey, you maybe... imagine doing a podcast with more than two people? No, that's garbage. Who would do that? Yeah, that just sucks. Yeah, I would never get involved in such a thing. I mean, three is pretty much my limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, once you get past that, people are just going to be left out. You're just sitting around watching. Yeah, no, it's not great. I feel like that's, let me tell you, I know you're on another podcast, and I know every night when you're recording it, I feel left out, and I'm just sitting around watching. I know. Just yeah. sitting out, dick in your hand, getting cold. Yeah, that said, I don't want to be invited onto it, because again, far too many people. Oh, yeah. Way yeah. too many people, which is to say don't even, any Don't even people. try, because I'd, I'd shoot it down immediately. Yeah, and also you just shouldn't be on it, because it's an actual play podcast, and you're terrible. Oh, that's not true. I'm good at actual play. I'm bad at running games. Uh, yeah. You're going to be mean to me like that. No, I don't need to be mean to you like that. But it's so <laughs> nice. That's fair. That's fair. And, you know, <laughs> given that I was, uh, I'm aggressively tired right now because I'm trying to quit caffeine and raise a two-year-old and there's a pandemic on... I could I could definitely use the insults that they're helping they're they're uh, they're bringing me back to life. I'm being revitalized by your uh, your your petty snipes. Exactly, because mm-hmm. that way you can be like, ah, I can't run on energy, but I can run on hatred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except I could never bring myself to hate you. Well, no one can. Well, mostly just because I can't raise any sort of emotional reaction about you in particular. Yeah, no one can. Yeah. Yeah. I feel about you the same way I feel about yarn I see on the street. Yeah, I mean, you ba- basically, being uh, angry at me is like, oh, I sure am angry at like a tin can I found. Like, that's not a thing that matters. <laughs> this was in an awkward location. <laughs> How dare this be somewhere? This tin can never gets itself off out of bed. <laughs> All right, so uh, anyway, we have a book to discuss. We're still... Midway through Jedi Search, the Kevin J. An- the beginning of the Kevin J. Anderson, uh, I think they're called the Jedi Academy Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Although I don't believe this book's going to have all that much to do with an academy. Instead, Chapter 9 finds our, our, us very concerned with blob racing. Yeah, when we last left our heroes, Leia was going to send uh, Lando out to... What, what is the name of this place? Umgul. 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 Yeah, it's in the Umgul system, and it's the planet Umgul, and the main city is Umgul City. They weren't trying very hard here. No, but they uh, think that maybe one of the gamblers here might be Force-sensitive because uh, he tends to win big. Yeah, I like the idea. I mean, I know why they send Lando here. It's it's fairly obvious, because... When you think about it, their their criteria for finding a Jedi is basically finding someone who is probably cheating. 
Hmm. So they're just like, hey, let's find someone who cheats a lot, and then I guess we will we'll go check to see if it's because they're a Jedi or if it's just because they're a cheater. I mean, the whole uh, point of the- it being that it was like, oh, well, his record isn't extraordinary in any way. He just happens to win big occasionally. Yeah, he wins big and loses small. But as we've learned from about six books about Han Solo at this point, that's not luck or good play. That's cheating. That's what cheating looks like. I mean, it's also just what being a protagonist looks like, because Han Solo gets to do that (laughs) and not cheat. (laughs) That would be great if that was what C-3PO and R2 were trying to find in those Imperial archives. They were just like, like, okay, R2, we're attempting to locate protagonists. (laughs) You're going to want to look out for scrappy white people. Ah, oh, yes, this one doesn't have any parents. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, oh, there's someone on this planet who's considered to be the chosen one of some sort. <laughs> That's definitely a protagonist. Let's send out our squad. If he can kill a bunch of faceless stormtroopers, he's definitely a main character. Uh, and it's it's good that they send Lando, because, you know, Lando knows about gambling and casinos and things like if you're gonna send someone to go like look into a guy on a gambling planet it's probably for the best that you send lando oh yeah for sure i mean ultimately all that does is make me a little grumpier about the dumb coincidence of lando walking in to leia's like breakfast office and being like hey you got anything for me to do any gambling related investigations i could perform (laughs) yeah it was a little convenient like it honestly would have been nicer to just have Leia go like, wait a minute, a gambling establishment, you say? I think I know just the person for that. But instead it was just like, hi, Lando here. Got anything for me? Anything uh, plot related? I like to think that he's been stopping by every day for the past month. <laughs> Yo, you got well. any plot? <laughs> no. <laughs> Refresh out. No. Okay. I'm busy being mad at my husband. Ugh. Okay, thank you. I'll check in again in a week. Uh. Well, he takes an interesting flight. He brings both the droids with him, along with those Jedi detecting Im- Imperial paddles that we mentioned in a previous episode, and takes a uh, a couple-day journey out to the Umgol system to visit Umgol City on the planet Umgol to visit the Umgolian blob races. Yay! Uh, On his way there, he passes a bunch of ships in low atmosphere, including one that I found pretty fascinating, a uh, passenger Zeppelin. Yeah, that's a thing, I guess. I guess so. I guess that means that Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin is uh, (laughs) canon in the Star Wars universe. Well, I mean, Lando's ship is called the Lady Luck, which means the Lady Luck concept also exists here. Well, I'm okay with abstract concepts, but the Zeppelin is named after a guy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> zeppelin dark lighter yeah that's what it was kip der zeppelin <laughs> inventor of the zeppelin yes that's right i get it i mean i get it because ultimately if they had said like they passed a passenger liner that was a rigid airship then i'd be less impressed it, zeppelin is perfectly fine shorthand but it just reminds me of when we were reading Crystal Star and they kept mentioning things like Bodelasian and, and uh, that kind of terminology that is very clearly defined from European history. Yes. Anytime there's something just named after an actual person, you're like, oh, look at that. Our language is dumb and doesn't fit in, in a space world. <laughs> yep. Yep. Ne- next thing you know, they're going to mention like a Spoonerism or make a reference to how Yogi Berra would constantly get words in the wrong order. <laughs> Yes, they'll be like, ah, you're just like Yogi Berra, said Han Solo. <laughs> to Chewbacca, who had recently expressed his, who, when upon being asked how many slices of pizza he wanted, he said, well, I don't think I can eat eight slices of pizza. You should just cut that entire pizza into six slices. Yeah. There you go. That's an old Yogi Berra thing. Hell yes. Okay. All right. So... <laughs> When they finally lands, uh, he is immediately accosted by peddling Ugnaught children. Yep, bunch of Ugnaughts un- with the tourist garbage that you would uh, be assaulted with. So, you know, yep. like keychains and blob candy and baby blobs. Mm-hmm. Blob Hermans. 
Yes. Wait, I'm sorry. That's Glob Herman. Blob is a different character entirely. The Blob Herman. No oh, relation like to a... the X-Men at all. Just a really fat guy named Herman. <laughs> no relation to two different X-Men characters. Yeah. He said unconvincingly. <laughs> Hi, I'm the Blob Herman. No relation to any X-Men characters. It's me, Cyclops Von Wolverine, inventor of the Zeppelin. <laughs> uh... Okay, so... So, yeah, on this planet, because everything revolves around the blob races, or at least in this city, all of the tourist trade also revolves around blobs. And so they try to sell him a blob, candy that is a blob, and I think a statue of a blob that is also a blob. Yeah, just a lot of blob-related merchandise, which mm -hmm. so makes sense. You're in the, like, gigantic blob racing arena, because this isn't just like, oh, yeah, you know, you go to like a dog track and it's just a parking lot and you go in there and that's fine. Like this is a giant fuck off arena with like multiple levels and all sorts of like ship parking nonsense. It is a huge deal. Yeah. The other thing I found sort of fascinating is that the character they're looking for, a guy by the name of Timo, uh, is in the Imperi the ancient Imperial archives for constantly winning at, at Umgullion blob races, but he apparently has only been doing it for a couple of years, and I don't know why the Empire was tracking this information. Uh, well, I don't think this was Empire-like archives that they were going through so much as they were going through... Not archives, but just like the recent information on the net. Oh, okay, so... The the uh, major winnings and losings of of uh, blob racing are published directly to the internet. Oh yeah, I mean there is just so much information you cannot get on the hollow net. But boy howdy, are they just really sure to update the winnings and losings on the hour every hour? Yeah, um, so weird because you'd think that kind of information would be kept private. Oh yeah. Because then you'd just be like, all right, uh, I searched through the data, saw who won big, and now I'm going to go rob them. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, exactly. Or that it would alert the like the people who were chasing them for legal reasons or something. Like, I would not participate in the blob races if my, if my race data was going to be made public immediately afterwards. Because I feel like I'd probably get shot down by future employees for having a gambling thing. I mean, it's... <sighs> It's weird because they really go out of their way in the chapter to be like, uh, the entire establishment is super into like making sure nobody cheats, like being a cheater is a actual punishable by death crime. Fucking, uh, like all of their, uh, races and everything, all of their betting, everything seems to be geared towards, we want to make this as easy and good for our like patrons as possible. And then the idea that they would then take every single bit of information with like full names and wagers and win loss ratios and just put that online is very yeah. weird. Yeah. I mean, I get why they keep them personally so they could try to spot cheaters. Kind of weird that the people who run the blob races themselves haven't been like, Hey, Timo guy, Come on to the back room real quick and let's break some of your thumbs with hammers. <laughs> but uh, no, apparently not. I mean, I assume he's not winning big every time as far as it's like, oh, yes, he loses a dollar here and a dollar there and then won a million every single time he went. No, I guess he's probably being more careful than that. Anyway, uh, Lando is not placing bets on the first blob race he ever watches. He just wants to get a lay of the land and see what's going on. But he does make it very clear to 3PO that he's just here to have fun. Well, I mean, that's also the cover. Because 3PO's yeah. like, oh, yes, no, you're here to assist Master Luke. And he's like, no, I'm a private citizen. Wink, dumbass. <laughs> I think my favorite thing that we learn about 3PO throughout these books and also the films is that he's programmed to hate droid jobs, which just makes him, it's so sad that, that, that they built him specifically to not like the kind of things he's going to be told to do. Because there's a point where as a threat, 
Lando's like, hey, if you mention one more time who I am and why I'm here, I'm going to make you stay on the ship and perform a full analysis of every sewer system on this planet. And 3PO's like, oh, bye, no, please don't. It would be so boring. And it's like, no, he should be like, okay, that's droid shit. I'll do that. Whatever. Whatever. It's fine. (laughs) I don't give a shit. Bitch, I did three of those before we landed. It's the sewers suck. They're full of blobs. <laughs> ah, yes, all the people who bought those baby blobs and then flushed them. <laughs> blobs, it turns out, are a large responsibility. Uh, the the thing that I do like about this is I definitely feel like if you had sent Han to do this, he would for sure have been betting on this. Lando feels slightly more professional in what he is doing. That's absolutely true, yeah. So he just settles himself in in a nice spot, gets a drink or whatever, and settles in to watch the blob races, which are actually kind of fun to read about. I mean, granted, they're probably a little stupid, but they are kind of fun to read about. And boy, howdy, does Kevin J. Anderson decide to call it a blobstacle course? Oh, right. Yes, he does. It's not just as it described as a blobstacle course over the course of the book, but like, loudspeakers call it that it's it's referred to as the blob blobsicle course what, what's the term i'm looking for here in c2 uh it, where it, it's just it's the term that everyone uses even in the book yeah it is <laughs> man it is a weird choice that he was like oh yeah obviously this giant gambling establishment would have a pun name for their thing i'm just too proud of this <laughs> pun name to not use it I mean, no shame. That's a uh, that's a really good pun name. I mean, yeah, I assumed that he was originally like, let's see, I'm just gonna blob races, whatever. And then as soon as he thought blobstacle course, he changed it to be like, oh no, it's not just a race. They actually have to go through a whole like obstacle course of traps you would find in an ancient mummy's tomb. Hmm. I kind of hope would I, I excuse me. I kind of hope that just kept going. Like he was would be offered a like a corn on the blob before he sat down to watch his show. Oh yeah, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess if your entire establishment is blob based, you gotta lean into it. Yeah, I don't even think we should call Timo cheating by the end of this chapter. Obviously, all of his work was an inside blob. Ha <laughs> ha! It was inside a blob. <laughs> okay, so. The the races take up the bulk of this chapter. Uh, they are they're fairly fascinating. There's a bunch of blobs that are on like lubricated shoots that get dropped onto a track that's just sort of a uh, big obstacle course for blobs with a bunch of obstacles that are very specific to ambulatory blobs. Yeah, you got like ah, uh, they've got to get through a mesh net. So like mm-hmm. one of the blobs just pushes his old uh blobby nonsense through so you get like a little bit through all of them at a time one goes like super thin and just tries to snake himself through one hole uh you've got things like a giant propeller that you have to go through so it's like uh you go to jump through and it cuts off like half of your body so then the other half of your body has to now jump through and you just sort of keep jumping through until your whole body makes it across and there is a rule that the entire blob has to make it all the way to the finish line to stop blobs from just, you know, sending a tiny bit through each one of the obstacles so that, you know, a, a tiny dot of blob arrives at the end. Yeah. There were uh, some weird things in this as far as, like, they have obstacles that aren't just difficult for a blob to get through or, you know, would challenge a blob, but straight up murder them? There is Yeah, there's a variety of lethal traps. Yeah, there's like a a pit that is full of desiccant that like, oh, if you fall during this thing, it'll straight suck all the water out of you and kill you. And I yeah. just got to wonder, and- man, they talk about how these are thoroughbred blobs, and if you're the person who owns one of those and they just die, how fucking angry are you? I kind of wonder if that's the way it works. Like, there's a section about desiccant. I don't think it's a pit. I think it's literally just a field of desiccant, and they have to make it over it real fast before they dive or before they shut down from dehydration. But my guess is that because they're just blobs, they can probably be rehydrated real easy. Like, you just put them in a bathtub, and they swell to 600% of their original size. (laughs) 
I mean, the the book says, like, oh, yeah, there's a couple that are in this desiccant pit that are just dead. <laughs> well, it says they're dying, that they're they're unable to keep going because too much of their moisture has been lost. They didn't go light and fast enough. But, Mike, Mike I mean, I'm guessing, but you might be right. It might just kill blobs. I mean, but it wouldn't make sense for them to do so because they have like blob stables and extremely expensive blob thoroughbred breeding. Oh yeah, no. Uh, for them it to says just, just they have were part. too slow to cross the deadly obstacle before they suffered terminal dehydration. But you know, that's just some generic grade A Star Wars horse shit, is what that is. Because remember how the uh, the pod race just had a part where you get shot at. Huh. Yeah, you make your way through the pod race, and then a bunch of angry dudes with rifles just try to kill you for about a half a lap and and everyone no one's like you know maybe we should clear the sand uh, people out before we start the race they'll shoot at all the drivers and those drivers are paid professionals who are well trained and have tons of money invested in their machines they're not three quarters expendable but meh it's star wars yeah i mean at least with <laughs> the the pod racing i can almost believe that more because the racers are generally just sort of doing it on their own. Whereas this rich people would have invested in it. And there is no way rich people are going to let their investment get desiccated. That's true. You got me there. Uh, anyway, it's, it becomes apparent about halfway through the race that, uh, yeah, Timo's there and yeah, he has placed a bet. And obviously it's on the blob that seems to be winning. Yeah. Blob number 11 is, uh, far and away the leader there were only two blobs even close to him, but they managed to merge together in one of the uh, traps so that they're like, oh, you're out because the two blobs merged. Yeah, the total fusion, yells the announcer, because I assume that's a, a common event. Oh, the other thing that happened right before the blob races started, because obviously we've got to use every part of the buffalo when we're writing a Star Wars story, is... An announcer comes on is like, hey, I hope you'll all remember to welcome next week the Duchess Mistal of Durgal, uh, uh, Dargul, Dargul, who will be a visiting uh, dignitary. And no one gives a shit because dignitaries visit all the time. But Tim O gives a shit. Yeah, it was good that they were like, uh, yeah, sure, we'll do this and we'll try and play it off as like. Oh, this is just a show that, you know, dignitaries come here all the time and it doesn't matter. But it's honestly the only reason that Timo is around. Yeah, so we are. It, it's just like how Lando showed up right as there was a gambling related investigation. Uh, Lando shows up on this planet right as the uh, motivation for Timo to be cheating is showing up. Yes. And so Lan go ahead. Yeah, just Lando is watching the race and eventually uh R2's like oh I found where Timo is he's in the super down on your luck uh like poor people section where people are betting you know for one last big score in the dumpster of this place and he goes to find him down there and he is uh definitely looking like someone that's cheating yeah, he's a nervous little guy, and he's got his hands in his pockets. Uh, something creepy's going on with this dude. And unfortunately for Han, Han is dressed as fabulously as he ever is. You mean Lando? Look yeah, I do. I do mean Lando. Thank you. Lando is dressed as fabulously as ever, and uh, that means that he doesn't blend in in these cheap seat crowds. Yeah, and I mean, I understand that when he was originally going there, he was in, like, the decent... Uh, gambling area that would normally fit in with the way he dresses. But Timo is, ooh, he's trying to be sneaky. He doesn't want any attention. Yep. So Lando attempts to accost him and Timo runs away. And then we have a secondary time where they encounter him again because he is broken into the blob stables dressed as a blob wrangler to do something. Oh, yeah. And... Lando did manage to get the paddles around him to get a read before he ran off. And mm -hmm. of course it comes up with no aura because this guy's just a cheater. Yeah. But three PO's not, not down with that, uh, that answer. So he's like, well, no, he could still be a Jedi. You may have scanned someone else by accident and you certainly didn't spend enough time scanning him. And I don't want to leave this planet. I have a lot of money riding on these blobs. <laughs> 
Uh. So they they resolve to stick around and continue the investigation a little longer. Yeah, and uh, R2 is doing reconnaissance dressed as a maintenance and cleaning droid who's just... For a second, my my initial thing when you said dressed as was that he had like a big pair of blue coveralls on. I mean, the thing is, when I said it, so did I. <laughs> just, just a big set of blue coveralls and a white shirt with a name tag sewn to it that says R2. Oh, yeah. I was definitely, sticky- when I said it, I was like, oh, yeah, R2's definitely down there with just a big tag that says like Gus on it. And they're like, hey, <laughs> Gus, working hard or hardly working. Beep, boo. <laughs> You said it, buddy. (laughs) Rolled up copy of Penthouse sticking into that lightsaber firing slot. (laughs) Uh, So R2 is down on the floor where the blobs are kept in the blob stables. And uh, he calls up to 3PO and Lando because he's like, oh, hey, I found Timo. Timo is dressed as a blob wrangler and is down here. That's suspicious. Yeah, yeah. And I like how 3PO is like, well, this still may be a perfectly rational explanation for why a Jedi would be doing this. And Lando just deadpans it. He's like, yep, I'm sure there's a very good reason for why a uh, rogue Jedi would steal a workman uniform and sneak into a blob stable late at night. That And that it isn't in any way related to cheating. <laughs> and yeah. uh, 3PO is just like, oh, good. You think so, too. God damn it. How is sarcasm not one of your six million forms of communication? I, you know, there's times where I feel like he is being sarcastic, and then there are times where he just doesn't seem to have it. I wonder if, along with his pre programmed hate for doing droid jobs, he was also given just like a cycling failure of what, of what uh, irony and sarcasm are, hmm. so that he will constantly be embarrassed. That's right. <laughs> Anakin built him to be. As sad and fucked up as possible. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Anakin, so yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, I want to make myself a droid, and I want it to hate life. Let's just say if if Anakin had not been accepted into the Jedi Academies, uh, he would have been the kind of person making memes where he says he can be your angle. <laughs> or your devil. Uh, so yes, they... Uh... They catch Timo as he puts something into one of the blobs and uh, the alarms go off. And it turns out that Timo is only doing this because he was the consort of the soon to becoming uh, Duchess Mistel because he cheated at that, too. Yeah, it turns out this guy's an expert in microelectronics. And so he used microelectronics to cheat his way into winning the... Uh, some sort of national or planet-wide competition to be the bride of this duchess. Uh, unfortunately, as it turned out, the duchess just loves too much. The uh, duchess is just her- horny 24-7. Yeah, she's constantly hungry for that love. Yeah, and he's like, man, I can't get a moment's peace. Every time I yeah. try to do anything, I'll like take a walk in a garden, and she'll just be right behind me like, show me that dick. Yeah, so apparently what's happened here is that we've discovered... Not a Jedi, but a star Al Bundy. <laughs> Who's just like, I don't like having sex with my wife. No peg. Flush. Uh, so, yeah, he is here trying to get enough money to get the fuck away because apparently the the d- Dorgles, the Durgles, uh mate for life. And as long as he is alive, she'll always come after him and. He's just like, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. Yeah, so he wants to escape. Uh, luckily for him, uh, there is a death penalty for any kind of cheating on Omgol at all. Uh, and so he is told immediately, oh, you don't want to worry about the Duchess getting you because we're going to kill you. And and for a second, he's like, oh, that's a relief. That, that'll end all my torment and running and suffering. Okay, that's good. I can live with that. I can live with death. I'm ready for it. <laughs> And then Lando's all, well, hold on now. Why don't we just give him to the Duchess? I'm a dickhead. Well, <laughs> he finds out that there is a one million credit reward for anyone that can return the Duchess's consort. So he's like, oh, no, let's not kill this guy. I mean, one, cash money. 
Two, it would look kind of bad for relations if, you know, you murdered this Duchess's consort right as she was going to show up to the planet. Yeah, so it's fair enough on his part to do what he does, but it does seem very mean of him to do it. Oh, it's very mercenary. (laughs) Yeah, and Timbo's just like, oh, forgot, okay, but can I at least get a night's sleep first because she is just going to snoo-soo my pelvis apart. (laughs) The, The second she gets here, I will be broken in half. (laughs) <laughs> i mean i gotta say as disturbing as this whole take my wife please shit is it's not a good look for star wars uh at least we don't get the part where she's like ugly and fat yeah i was straight up waiting for him to be like oh i wanted to be the consort of the duchess but she's so ugly oh she lifted her ceremonial veil at the wedding and she was all like oh man and i was like oh no i need to get out of here yeah, no, it, you know, as far as we can tell, he was, he knew what the Duchess looked like and everything beforehand. He was like, oh yeah, she's hot and great, but I cannot keep up with her insatiable need for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, and granted, we are adding the boning aspect. Apparently she just followed him around and wouldn't give him any time to himself. Mm. Uh, we don't know if that's because she was constantly trying to drop that pussy, but but uh, I mean, that's to us that makes the most sense. I think. I mean, it does, honestly. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. That's the end of the Timo arc. Uh, Lando's going to return triumphant and one million credits richer to Coruscant. And you know what? Why don't we go check in on Coruscant because Leia's there and nothing's Ugh. changed. God damn it, Leia! <laughs> God damn it! Leia is now two days past the point where where Han was supposed to be home, and she's still like, oh, he must have found some of his old smuggling buddies, and I bet he's drunk right now. Yeah, okay, you know what? Here's the thing, Leia. If he hadn't called for two days past the point when he was supposed to get there, maybe. Maybe you'd be like, okay, he got there, uh, he was met by some old buddies, they went on a bender, it took him a couple days, and then he will call. But if you think that your husband has been wasted for the past, like, two weeks solid, Mm -hmm. I don't think you like your husband very much. (laughs) Well, she doesn't like him enough to just call him. Like, you'd think that eventually she'd want the satisfaction of calling him, catching him drunk with his dumb smuggling buddies, and yelling at him. I mean, if nothing else, at least being like, hey, I don't even care if you're just down there playing sabacc and getting wasted. Just tell me you made contact with someone officially since you're supposed to be an ambassador. Also, could you please come home because your kids come home today? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, you definitely think that when he didn't show up, like, the day he was supposed to be back, you would call then and go, hey, you do remember your kids are going to be here. I think the thing that gets me the most about this, and I'm willing to accept that Leia's got some sort of block that that she shouldn't have to call her husband, that he should have to call her or whatever, but how come it's just the two of them in this chain of command? Oh, yeah. He's sent as an official ambassador. You would think, I don't know, whoever's in charge of ambassadorial stuff that isn't Leia would be like, oh, hey, uh, on my sheet, it says that uh, we should have heard from him. I'm going to make a call just to make sure. I mean, it's probably Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma should have tried to call Luke or, or had her staff try to call Han by now to just be like, hey, where are you? Uh, you know, you're really Where messing up you? our timetables. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what she should do. She should call and sing Blink-182 songs at him. Obviously. Mm-hmm. She should be like, hey, Han, what's my age again? I forgot. <laughs> you had a big Blink-182 kick today. Mm-hmm. Are I'm- you? That's uh, That's fair. I don't know why. I don't know why. Was it because you were reading all that news about Tom DeLonge once again attempting to crack the case of aliens existing (laughs) i mean maybe i did see that (laughs) i can't believe that guy used to be in the aquabats oh wait no he wasn't it was uh it was the drummer uh so yes travis Travis barker i think (laughs) leia is preparing for her children to show up by uh, mostly just sort of grumping around and being angry at her husband who is 
almost certainly dead somewhere. Well, she's most she's yeah, she is hanging out at air traffic control because her kids are supposed to be coming in today. And she's standing a little too close, but not too, too close to some poor air traffic controller person who apparently has been rewarded with the task of managing Leia's stress right now. Oh, my God. I cannot imagine doing that because, like, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm an important, you know, person in the government and I want to know as soon as my, you know, kids get here. All right, that's fine. But to, like go into the air traffic control and distract someone who, if they get distracted, might cause some ships to crash. That's negligent shit, Leia. Yeah, you got to assume a lot of people's kids are coming in today, Leia. This, I don't understand, but sure, I get it. You're very worried and you live in the Emperor's private castle, so why not? You're the most important person there's ever been. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the air traffic controller person gets a message from Winter Ship and has to tell Leia, hey, I, someone's coming in. They they only gave their name, and it, it sounds like a code name. It's it's just Winter? And Leia's like, oh, no, that's her real weird name. And I'm like, oh, get off your high horse. You're Star Wars. Yeah, no, come on now. No one's going to be like, <laughs> Winter? What a weird name. <laughs> There's someone coming in under the handle of Sleaze Bagano. What should I do? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, considering you can have characters show up and they're like, well, what's your name? Oh, I'm Junk Trough Biddlebonk. And you're like, that seems perfectly fine. What's your I name? Wonder if she also- Summer. What? That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> Come back when you've got a regular Star Wars name like Therm Scissor Punch. Ah, <laughs> uh, Star Wars. <laughs> He's a lobster man. <sighs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, she goes out to meet Winter and the kids, and uh, it, it's good for a couple seconds because Winter comes out and she's very no-nonsense and smart, and she tells the kids, like, hey, here's your mom. Uh, you're going to stay with her now. Anakin's not going to show up for a bit because he's not quite ready to be safe here as well, but the two of you, you have a wonderful time. Anyway, I'll start unpacking. You two go with your mom. And, and Leia goes to hug the kids, and the kids respond with caveman syntax. <laughs> It is one of my favorite strange tropes that happens a lot, which is someone has to write a very small child, like, you know, between two to four. Yeah. And they decide that, oh, well, kids don't have fully developed ability to speak yet in, like, normal adult conversations. So I'll have them sound like cavemen. Yeah, exactly. They're like, well, they can't do full-on sentence construction, but I'll, what I'll do is I'll remove all the all the uh, prepositions and pronouns and stuff, and then it will make sense. If I so instead of the kid just being like no bed, they'll be like me no want go bed. Me want travel towards where great sky meets sea. <laughs> and and you and you're just like the what the fuck have you not two year olds are not hard to come by for case studies the great hairy beast run we hunt <laughs> the mantic comes <laughs> but both of them but both of them are going to talk like that through this chapter and i have to assume the entire rest of the book where they she's she's like hey kids it's time for bed no me no want to go sleep me want stay awake, learn many things. And like, <laughs> Me paint on cave wall. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, even cavemen didn't talk like this. This is nothing. <sighs> so, so that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's great. I love it. It's a wonderful introduction to the twins. Uh, now we also, of course have to get for the love of god someone that's like hey leia don't be a dumbass oh right yeah yeah okay so leia gets to spend the entire day palling around with her with her children which obviously is what should happen and it's wonderful we get a whole bunch of dumb folder all about how 3po is going to put them to bed and 3po is too dumb and stupid to, to deal with this situation so he's like he's just like oh children i'll read you a bedtime story no want bedtime story want mammoth meat and 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 3po has to be like oh no of course you want a bedtime story you are children 
<laughs> no, no Which, want bedtime story. At least I enjoyed like, that because that seems very three PO is like. But I did research, right? And then uh, the <laughs> he he settles in on like I'll sing you a dumb lullaby from a, from a species that you'll hate. Oh yeah, I have to imagine that when he was like, and now for a lullaby, he just started screeching. And he's like, ah yes, the lullaby of the the scream fuckers from Planet Dankus. I assume he started going, Han Solo, what a man, Solo. <laughs> from from that, that uh, love ballad he wrote. Yes, children, fortune. that's how I got your mother to fuck your father. <laughs> that's how I created you. I'm responsible. <laughs> Would you like to touch me? I am your god. <laughs> yes, everyone under four feet tall thinks I'm a god. It's a droid thing. <laughs> um... This is to get back to what John was saying. Winter is very no nonsense. And so she's like, Leia, where's Han? He should have been here for this. And Leia's like, oh, don't you even get me started on Han. Mm-f. And then she walks out of the room. And Winter's and Winter, like, what? <laughs> no. Okay. You, you're you're going to have to tell me what, what it is. Well, he hasn't called me. And he should have been back two days ago. And he hasn't called me. And Winter is like, uh... Kessel's super dangerous and not under Imperial or it's very lawless over there. And if you had sent anyone but your husband, you would have assumed an accident or or foul play by now. Yeah. For some reason, you just decided that because it is your husband, there is either no possible way anything went wrong or he is the world's most incompetent, inconsiderate jackass. Yeah. And... (laughs) The pro- I mean, I get why, and they even explain why in the book, and I think it's not the worst explanation, is because the best alternative in Leia's mind, even though she doesn't want to admit it, if Han never calls her, is because he's a lazy piece of shit. Because the alternatives are he's dead or he's captured or something. Yeah, but, you know. <sighs> she should be. She's at the level of professional capacity, detachment, and, you know, badassery, where the... Where, where her, she shouldn't be this much self-delusional, effectively. Yeah, because even if you are like, oh, no, if if I call and something's wrong, oh, that would be terrible. Okay, yeah, you, uh, you've you been in a rebellion since you were a teenager and seen so many people die. You probably shouldn't be, like, not willing to call someone. <laughs> I would feel like, basically to boil it down, I feel like Leia's not the kind of person who won't tear the Band-Aid off. Yeah, it's just, for some reason, in some of these books, they decide to really lean into the princess part of Leia, rather than her being a general and a leader of a rebellion. Yeah, it's weird that they keep doing that, where they, they, they focus on this ele- these elements of her where she's pampered and demanding, uh, when that's not what we saw from the character at all. Oh, yeah. Like, there's even a part in Star Wars where she acts the role, where she's... there. If there was a single scene in Empire or something where she strode into a building and, and was like, I'm Princess fucking Leia, get me some goddamn tea and a, and a place to sit. I want that table. And she points to a table with a bunch of people that are already sitting at it. That never happened. She never leans on her princess shit. So it's weird that the books are like, oh, this is an unexplored avenue. Yeah, I definitely want to explore what Star Wars would be like if Leia was the worst. Yeah, so weird. But anyway, she... <laughs> Leia's like, I don't want to face that detail. That doesn't even make sense to me. Han's fine. He's just lazy and stupid. And Winter's like, no, you need to investigate this. And so she goes and does and ends up on the phone after a bunch of foo She ends up on the phone with Morith Duel. Yeah, Morith is very rehearsed in his responses to things. And mm-hmm. Leia, of course, picks up that like, oh, he's basically just saying whatever I would like to hear and also offering information without me even asking about it. And also every time he's like, let me check my computer. He just goes beepity boop, click clack. Oh, sorry. No information. Yeah. Here, let me uh, look through all of our records and nope. (laughs) All right. I've entered your money into the database and it's gone. (laughs) 
So he's he's working at that speed, and even Le- well, I shouldn't say even Leia. Leia's a canny badass, and these books don't do her justice. Um, she's just like this guy's lying to me. He ha- he's hiding information. Ah, shit! I should have I I should have rested on my laurels on this one. <laughs> yeah. I have waited so long that now that I actually realize I need to do something, I'm also in charge of two children. Yeah, so we pretty much cut from her at this point uh, and to what Morth Duel is up to. Yeah. As it ha- oh, God. As it's yet more set up about how Morth Duel is the worst. I, I, I guess they really, really, really want you to to appreciate it when this guy dies later. Oh, yeah, because they're like, oh... You thought it was bad that he was, like, a horrible sex trafficking rapist? Well, turns out he's also breeding his own children as slaves and killing them if they get too old. <sighs> so here's everything that Morothul is doing wrong so far. He used to run a smuggling operation under the Empire's nose right here on Kessel by hiring outside miners to come in and mine, and when it got when it got dangerous, he'd report them for the bounty so that he was double-dipping on that. So already he's a smuggler and a traitor to smugglers and the and a, a, uh, a toady to the Empire. And he's got his... Now that he's in charge and killed all the people who were a threat to him, uh, he's built his own sex slave dungeon castle and the children that are born of that union, which are larval because you may have learned that already. If you're a member of our, our uh, bonus content feed uh, that, that these guys have larva kids, the larva children are being forced because they don't have eyes anyway to package the Kessel spice. And when they get big, he murders them. Yeah. He's like, Oh, this one's about to go from being a larval kid into an actual full grown adult. I'll have to murder him. Shame to have to kill my own kids, but I can't have any competition. <laughs> but you know, money is money. Yeah. Oh, my snidely whiplash mustache just came in the mail. I'll <laughs> twist it. Uh, I mean, of all of the villains that we've had, this guy, <laughs> they are just going <laughs> out of their way to be like, hey, did you know? Did you know this guy's the worst? I can't wait to find out what the next thing he does is. Like... What are we going to get to that's worse than this? <laughs> ah, yes. Probably... After I've killed my child, I've cooked him and eaten him. <laughs> also, I hang my toilet paper roll the wrong way. The stupid way where the paper comes out the bottom. Huh? I don't know. I, I, at a certain point, you're like, fine, this guy's a big bad guy. Great. He's going to die to a spider or something. We get it. Yeah, I don't. I don't need more awful shit for him to do to want to be like, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. You can you can kill him. It's it's okay. He's a I'm, fictional I, bad point, guy. At this point, I'm wondering if Han's even going to be involved. That that because his death is too big for Han to just shoot him. I'm I'm guessing that eventually an uprising in the jail will cause his own sex wives to throw him to the larva, and he gets eaten by his kids. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say that that that's my guess here because I mean, that's a comeuppance you would hope for. Yeah, that that's that's my guess, and we'll see if I'm right. I have no idea. Uh, anyway, he's doing that right now. Meanwhile, it's time to go check in with Han. Yeah. Now Han, when we first you know check in with him, is very pissed off and begins brawling with one of the guards and just starts a little tiny prison riot among mm-hmm. the workers. Yeah, just absolutely punches the crap out of a guard and a whole riot breaks out. And when when uh, boss Roke shows up to quell the riot, uh, he does it by firing stun blasts wildly into the crowd, hitting Chewbacca, among other people. Yeah. Now we find out that, oh, it's because Han has been keeping track of the days and knows that today is the day his kids are supposed to show up. And he's super pissed off that he's not there. And... (sighs) When they when they finish, like, quelling the riot, they send everybody into the bunks, and they have a device that I think is the best thing that has ever existed and never gets mentioned again, which is they have a field that just immediately puts you to sleep. Yeah, he, uh, Roke literally just flips a switch on the wall, and everyone falls asleep. And I was like, why did you bother shooting stun blasts at everybody if you have a room where everyone falls asleep? Well, Couldn't I mean, you, you gotta get them in the switch? room first. Why aren't we installing that field in every room where prisoners are? It's so weird, because one, that's the most 
efficient way of stopping like any sort of riot or escape attempt but also how is this not a thing that exists like commercially for people because han is angry and like trying to resist but still immediately falls asleep and i'm like man if i could get a hold of that that shit would be gold exactly oh my god i would love that and of course they have to describe it as han settling into grumbling nightmares or whatever but i'm like i don't care as long as i get eight hours i'll have whatever nightmares you want oh yeah just put me under a weird sleep field turn it off in eight hours great that's fine this is a classic example of a Star Wars technology that is buried as the lead. Because the moment they're like, hey, there's a sleep field in this room where if we flick a switch, everyone just instantly falls asleep. You're like, oh my god, that would be so useful in every other situation. You could use that to deal with the mind spiders. You could use that for, like, so many things, and yet they're just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, the sleep field. You know, in the bunks? Yeah. Anyway, we'll never mention again. Like, Don't worry about it, it's not... (laughs) Could you imagine weaponizing that? What if the Death Star just shot sleep? <laughs> <I've>, I'm. <laughs> you may fire when ready. All of Alderaan will be placed to sleep because it is past their bedtimes. <laughs> uh, it's just like instead of a stun thing, you could have a sleep setting. Or again, <laughs> whether for personal use, for going to sleep, or defensive purposes for like i have a panic room and then i hit a button and everyone else in my house goes to sleep what amazing a great stuff tool. yeah it's crazy it, it feels completely buried granted i would not want to buy a blaster that also had a sleep setting i feel like that's a disaster waiting to happen <laughs> i just want to go down for the night oh man i can't wait to just lie on my bed and forget all my troubles and you know what either way this works <laughs> see that's why you get the field for your bed you get one of those like four poster beds and up on top is the sleep field and also it's mirrored oh yeah def- and, and there's a timer because otherwise you're just going to turn it on and then be asleep there forever the rip van winkle bed <laughs> okay so after they wake up we get we get an establishment that the reason han started the riot is because today's the day he was supposed to go meet his kids and he's really pissed off that he's still in a dungeon yeah that's what I said. <laughs> yep. Oh, I'm sorry. You already said that. My apologies, sir. I was thinking ahead. Okay. So the next morning, uh, Boss Roke is like, hey, I need four of you to come with me on a super dangerous trip into the mines because a bunch of people died somewhere. and We need to go find out why. Yeah. We lost four workers and a guard the other day. We don't know what happened to them, but they are in an area of the new mines that is ultra rich with spice. Mm hmm. I find it fascinating that they're like, okay, we have to go down there and investigate. So we're going to take two guards and four prisoners. And I'm like, this seems like a good job for all guards, like with the, with the IR goggles. I feel like this is a good role for four guards with IR goggles and not bring a lot of, along a bunch of useless, chaotic meat that's going to freak out when a noise happens. Or, you know, take one or two if you want to be like, oh, you walk in front so you're the canary. Yeah, I guess. And that that is what happens. They take a long trip down into total darkness, same as all the other mining expeditions. But uh, down here, Boss Roke has a handheld device that goes ping, and it tells him that the spice here is crazy rich. Oh, yeah, there's so much spice here. This is the biggest and most dense spot of spice that's ever existed. And I don't know why he thinks that this is super important for him, because... I don't know that he's going to be like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to get rich. I'm like, Morithul's not going to be like, good job. Here's a giant cut of what you got. I mean, I guess that's true. I hadn't even considered that. I just figured that because he was a bad guy, he wanted to do bad guy stuff. But you're right. I feel like the, we need to know the incentive structure for Boss Roke to understand why he cares. Yeah, because he seems to be saying like, oh, this is going to be the biggest score ever. And I'm like, you're not in charge here. You're not going to see that money. Maybe you'll get a small bonus because your production was up, but even that's doubtful, given that Morth Duel is the worst evil boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I have this great promotion for you. You're going to be one of my sex concubines. <laughs> 
Okay, so Clore is, is the extra prisoner who goes along with them, because obviously the other three are Kip, Han, and Chewie. Clore uh, is shoved out in front. He's a former prison guard from back when this place was an Imperial mine uh, who has been put on guard duty or on slave duty as a punishment. Yeah. Which... But he is immediately... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's another reason to be like, man, <laughs> there should be zero loyalty to Morith Duel at all, given that anytime anyone displeases him, he's just like, 1,000 years in the mines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Clore uh, gets shoved out in front of Boss Roke, and eventually there's some clacking noises, and then Clore is hauled instantly off into the distance by some sort of thing in the darkness. Yeah. And chaos doth ensue. Yeah, he just sort of screams, and it gets quieter where he's just like, Aah! and goes yep. off getting pulled into the darkness somewhere. And I like that <laughs> they were just like, nope, fuck this. Yeah, Roke at least has some measure of common sense to him. I mean, not enough, because enough common sense would have been, okay, everybody on this expedition gets IR goggles, because otherwise, when I'm trying to run away from the monster, you're going to get in my way. Yeah, and boy, does that ever happen. <laughs> yep. Uh, we also, I think while we were, we were establishing why Han volunteered everybody for this dumb mission, and it was because he thought that the reason people keep disappearing in the mines is because they're finding escape tunnels. Yeah, he was like, because we already established that Morth Duel would allow a bunch of smugglers to come in here and dig their own holes and mine their own spice, that the whole place would be, like, honeycombed with these entrances and exits for various surface mines. And he was like, maybe they just found a way out and overpowered their guard or something. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. It's giant energy spiders. Yeah, there's murder spiders that do not show up on infrared because they are just no heat, I guess. And so they're basically absolute zero spiders that eat energy. Yeah, because it uh, takes more of the duel. Like one of them grabs him and uh, it's a uh, boss rogue boss rogue. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And Han has grabbed the IR goggles, so when he looks back, he can see the heat of Roke and, like, the energy backpack, and the only way he can see what is happening to him is the sort of negative space where the claws and whatnot are going over him, mm -hmm. and it even, like, jams a claw into the backpack and begins to drain the energy and heat out of it. Yeah, now that causes sparks to fly, so we finally get a look at the thing, and it's basically just a bunch... If you, if you look it up on Wikipedia, you can see what this is. This is a Kessel Energy Spider. They look like a big mat of of uh, teeth. They, they, didn't we establish that they kind of look like if a durian had legs? I mean, that was the combat spider that I did before. Oh, sorry, which was I, not had my spiders, I had my spiders mixed up. But yeah, these are big spiky energy spiders. Yeah, they are... All legs and eyes and mouth. Yep, so the remaining guard and Kip, Chewbacca, and Han just dart back to get back onto the uh, the transport train and get the hell ass out of there. Oh, yeah. And they manage to get into the minecart and get it going without even really knowing how it works by just sort of jamming at buttons, but... There are two carts, and the energy spider straight up just destroys the second one on their way out. Yep. I don't remember. Was the guard in that cart? Uh, I think both guards die. Yeah, okay. So, well, yeah, Ro Roke is one of them. The other guard is the, I think he does die too. So it's just going to be the three of them, Chewbacca, Han, Kip Duran, that are going to make their way out of this trap and back up to the base camp. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, and there we, you go. Yeah, we end there. We don't really find out what happens when they get back. Just the fact that they manage to get away barely from a horrible spider monster thing. And uh, we'll we'll find out what happens with them if you check in with us in another week. Yep, that's absolutely right. We'll see you in a week with exciting new content right here on Expounded, Expounded Universe because uh, it's a weekly show. But in the meantime, if you are still hungry for content, then why don't you stop on by our Patreon? Yeah, if you're like a 
Kessel content spider and you just need to drain content from things, then you mm-hmm. can go to patreon.com slash system mastery. And at the $2 level, you unlock weekly content for expounded universe and all of our system mastery content. Oh yeah. It's a hell of a deal. You'll end up with a, about six episodes a month for about four bucks a month. What it, it, it's a great deal. Yes. Uh, indeed. For this content, we go and we find dumb things on Wikipedia to tell each other. Sometimes they're related to the chapter. Sometimes they're not. Who knows? You certainly won't, but you'll get that content anyway at the $2 level over at patreon.com slash system mastery. Yes. It's all there. All right. Waiting yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Why don't you unlock it with your money? <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> That's how it goes. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in about a week. Until then, I've been Elan Sleaze Bagiano. And I love blobsticks. Blobsticks. <laughs>